welcome to this week's edition of Hitting the Headlines with me, the headline maker, Kurt Cooper. This week has been a great week for the podcast. If you listened last week, you'll know that I am aiming uh, to keep my job here on the, the Scottish Wrestling Network by getting 300 uh, listeners by the time night two of WrestleMania comes around. And we've made a good start to that uh, so far. Last week's uh, edition uh, with Diamond Craig DL and uh, the Huntsman Eli Fox uh, has amassed over uh, over 55 listens so far across all channels. So I'm doing well on that. So thanks everyone to, for listening to that. And at the end of this week's episode, there's going to be a wee thank you uh, that I've, I've lined up for you uh, to say thanks for listening and for keeping me on the, uh, the network if I can achieve that 300. But without further ado, uh, I'll get on to this week's guest now. This week is a big week for uh, wrestling in the, the UK. Uh, ICW are going to be having one of the first uh, post-lockdown pay-per-views or events, rather, in ICW Barb. And we've got one of the stars of that show uh, on today, Miss Molly Spartan, and she's going to be joined by the inimitable, uh, the dazzling Bobby Diamond. So I'm just going to get the two of them onto the, the chat now. So they should be coming through loud and clear any second. So there we have Bobby Diamond. Bobby, how are you? How's lockdown been? Right, Matt. I'm not too shabby at all. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got to say about the biggest and best news in wrestling headlines. And we're also going to be joined uh, this week by Molly Spartan. Molly, how are you? I'm good. I can't see me, though, so I don't know what I've done. Ah, right. Uh, it's just showing that your camera's off. There we are. There we go. Lovely to see you, Molly. How are you today? I'm good. I'm out of breath currently because I've <laughs> had the window cleaner and the postman and everybody in their dug chatting on my door just as I was trying to sort this. It's always the way, isn't it? Always the way. Oh. Uh, so just oh. uh, introducing there, Molly, Bobby, Bobby, Molly. I don't know if you have met before. Uh, but the two of you are no. going to be helping me today break down the biggest headlines in wrestling this week. And Molly, you are actually involved in one of those biggest headlines, uh, thanks to uh, the upcoming ICW Bar pay-per-view. So the first headline that I have for us to discuss today is Spartans locked up in lockdown. ICW Bar hits the WWE Network this weekend, and with Molly here stepping foot inside the sadistic steel structure, what can we expect from this unique Glasgow-based event? I mean, it's a very Glaswegian uh, first, basically. It's kind of like our first pay-per-view on the network that's not in front of a crowd. Um, so that itself is very unique. Um, but yeah, like, expected to still be very ICW because let's be honest we've not really held back on being ICW even though we're on the WWE network yeah um and the fact that we've got things like Peacock as well starting um there is a good chance that I'll end up on something like that so it's actually astronomical in size um but to the UK it's still obviously in the WWE network but um it could be moving over to Peacock which is insane to actually think about pardon the pun it, it is mad and that, that was one of the first questions i was going to ask you molly like with that uh, wwe affiliation that icw now firmly has how have the, the locker room uh, at icw how have they been reacting to that kind of exposure it's good but it, it's, it's a different locker room it's a totally 
different experience um, because it's not like any other show you've ever been to because quite frankly you don't really see anybody um, you're the, the way it's done is it's done much like how NXT UK is doing it where um, the matches are coming in and out so I've not actually seen many of the talent over the period apart from female talent um, because of how it's all been working so there's never a cross-section. So it is, it is unique in itself and it has its good elements, but it also at the same time, it has very odd and quite jarring elements to it as well. And trying to learn how to essentially direct everything to a camera, because that's where the audience is now. It's at home, sitting mm-hmm. locked up in the house, um, rather than being around the ring where you'd normally put all your energy to. Well, that's, you know, a good point there, putting all your energy into it. And I know, Bobby, you're like myself, we've been chomping at the bit to get back to wrestling. Uh, obviously, you've been lucky enough, Molly, that you've had the ICW opportunities over the last wee while. But, Bobby, how, how much are you missing uh, being in the ring at the minute? Oh, it's shocking. Do you know what I mean? It's terrible. You, you have this norm of you get into the routine of training, training, training so much, and then you give the set goal to work toward, well, some of us do not, everybody, Chris. All right, all right. Just because you, you've got more you experience know. than me. Oh, I, I, last year would have been my year, Bobby. Last year would have been my year. That's what everybody says. Well, <laughs> but, right, but anyway, Bobby, I, you, you're my, you, you, all right, get a break. But the, what I was going to say to you there, Molly, was uh, obviously with uh, Bard coming up, it's a cage match. It's one of the, the most intense types of matches uh, that you can be involved in. How are you anticipating that going down when you don't have the fans at ringside to feed off of for that? Because I, I know that the, the fans, from my limited experience of being in the ring, you feed off that. That's part of the, the adrenaline rush that you get from being a wrestler. When you combine that with the, the danger and all the other elements surrounded in a, in a cage match, how do, how's it differed? If, or how do you believe it will be different for you? So it depends on what your goal is when it comes to it. For me, right now, a lot. I mean, I've had a lot of people with the actions on the network and everything unfolding, sort of asking, like, why am I taking my stance just now? And to me, this is the prime opportunity to do that. Like, in a time where it's a bit of chaos and nobody really knows where the world is going why not try and make your stand so that you are the thing going forward and a lot of people keep asking me like why do I keep on attacking Angel Hayes it's not an attack on her for me it's an attack on the company because I feel like like it's no secret and although yous won't know this and a lot of people won't know this I've worked for ICW for maybe over a decade now Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started in the production side of things and filming promos and sort of trying to help people find their voice and was constantly overlooked, was told that I already had a job. Even though I'd be bursting my arse, I'd be travelling up and down. the. Co- in fact, there was a solid year that I wrestled every single weekend and not once was it in Scotland, which mm-hmm. is insane to think about. I wrestled more outside the UK than I did in my hometown, in my home country, never mind hometown, which is mad when you actually think about it because that's where I trained, that's where I burst my arse, that's where I learn 
everything that I did, but I was overlooked because I already had a job where other people who I met through training were going past me because that was their job and it wasn't mine. But right now, like I've had enough, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my cool because you have been nice enough to host me on this, but people think this is going to be personal and it's not just going to be angel hate, it's everybody. And it, to the individuals, this is nothing to do with you. This is a change, this is a revolution to change things for the women's division in ICW. And if I have to start with Angel Hayes and it has to be in that cage, then it will. For me right now, the major thing that's really grinding my gears is the fact that that vacant women's championship is not on the line in that cage. And I, I really wanna know why. Is it because you know the outcome? Is it, is it because you know the inevitable is going to happen? And one day I'm going to stand in that ring with that championship in my hand and there is no chance then you are getting me, rid of me. You've tried to overlook me. You've tried to cast me aside for years, but enough's enough. And let's be honest, you're going to be damn lucky if I don't set that championship on fire when I eventually get it. I think fire's the opposite of there, Molly, you know... You, you said about, you know, being gracious enough to come on. I'm glad you're letting this out <laughs> on here. Uh, you can tell how much uh, Bard means to you. And from watching uh, ICW Fight Club on the network last weekend, uh, the, the beatdown that you gave on Angel, you were vicious, you were calculated with it, coming in uh, during the match with, with Emily Hayden there as well. Uh, and there was something oh, no, that no, 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 you... she interrupted a match. Last week, she started that. She interrupted the match between... Ellie Armstrong and Emily Hayden because Emily was about when I did what I did the previous week. She started that last week, not me. So that the build is there. The, the, the build is definitely there. And one of the things that you mentioned uh, in, the, in the ring uh, the other day there uh, was about, you know, you don't cage an animal. You're, you're the, the she-wolf of ICW, but you don't cage an animal. Is that gonna? Is that setting? Is that gonna make you even more vicious, even more calculated in the way that you, you approach the match, or is it just going to be a, a straight up beating that you're going to deliver? I mean, to me, I see it as an advantage. Not only can I decimate you without a cage, can you imagine what I'm going to do when there's steel cage surrounding the ring? Like I'm just going to use that to my advantage. When it comes to a power structure, me over Angel Hayes. She's a wee lassie in comparison to me. So there's no chance she's going to be able to manhandle me into a cage, but by God, yeah, that's going to be easy for me. So for me, it's an advantage. For me, it's essentially aligning the ring with a weapon. Awesome. And as well as uh, your match uh, with Angel Hayes, uh, you've also got uh, DCT taking on Jason Deeds. Uh, the tag belts are on the line at the event as well between the 9-9 and Krieger and Looking Sharp. Uh, mm -hmm. And what's the other match that's on there? Uh, Kez Evans and Craig Anthony as well. You know, these You've are guys... Beatty Gun and Leighton Buzzard as well. Oh, I missed that one out. That, that should be uh, a feisty one. Uh, Beatty Gun, he was over here uh, a couple of years ago for the show you were on, Bobby, wasn't he? At the, the Billy Park Hotel, one of the... Was it the, the Paul London show? Yeah, it was the Paul London show he was over for. I think it was BT on Casey, I think. Yes. 
yeah, BT and Casey came over. It's all it was, Martin. It seems like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it's been, it's all been merged a, into one for me. I can't tell the difference anymore. It's been an absolute time of it for us over here in Northern Ireland with, with the wrestling over the, the last couple of years. But we're hoping that, you know, with, with lockdown being restricted and whatnot, we'll be able to get back at it soon enough. And, you know, have you, have you ever been over here uh, in Belfast or anywhere else around Ireland for, for any matches, Molly? Not for any matches yet. Um, I've been over plenty and I've been over with Inside the Ropes tours. Mm-hmm. So I've weirdly ended up, I ha- like I have fans in Northern Ireland that are constantly messaging me asking when I'm coming over, but there was sort of talks, but then the world went on fire. Uh, so it kind of halted. Um, but hopefully uh, once the world is extinguished, then we might be able to get something sorted. Well, I know that we'd be glad at Titanic Wrestling uh, to, to have you over. That's the, the company that myself and Bobby are, are mostly affiliated with at the moment. Uh, and Bobby, he is probably our go-to guy for the likes of our intergender uh, matches that we have. Bobby uh, took a, quite a pasting of uh, Aisha Raymond uh, at one of her last shows at the end of 2019. Uh, and I know that she, she thoroughly enjoyed coming over here. And the experience of wrestling in Northern Ireland in front of our fans... Yes. That's a wee bit different. Yes. Can I ask, do you enjoy reminding Bobby that each and every week? We... Thank you. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> Thank you. Because I can see Thank the slight you. joy in your eyes when you said that. Like, just because you're swigging iron brew doesn't mean I'm on side. Oh, no, no, not at all. It just, that's that's my, my remedy. I've, I've been I... feeling rough all week. But myself and Bobby, we've got a wee bit of a fractious relationship, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, and I'm sure that once uh, w- once we are able to get back we in the thing and whatnot, we don't have a relationship full stop. We do not have a relationship full stop, my love. See, that, this, this is what I'm dealing with, Molly. This this is what I'm dealing with. But anyway, we'll put that to the side for now. We'll put that to the side for now, and we'll move on to the second headline on this week's show, which is "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." No sexism intended with that uh, headline. It's just for the pun and everything else here. Uh, So with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa closing tonight's St. Patrick's Day, that's where the luck comes in, uh, themed edition of Dynamite, with this all-female main event lead to lightning striking twice, or even more, with women taking their place at the top of the card on all elite wrestling TV shows and pay-per-views going forward. Bobby, I'll come to you on this one first. Are you much of a watcher? Are you up to speed with, with everything that's been going on in AEW recently? I don't watch AEW. Don't watch oh. it at all. It's not my cup of tea. It's not my thing. Um, each to their own. But as for the women being on top of the card, absolutely. And so they should be. It has nothing to do with gender. It has never had anything to do with gender. It's not about gender. Just because you're identify as a cis male doesn't guarantee you're going to have a fantastic match in the main event it has nothing to do with gender it's about individuals and storytelling and that's the point so absolutely there should be a women's main event there should be more women's main events going forward in all companies full stop and there's no there's no there's no counter argument to it because it's right no I, i'm um, still there's no more to say. 
I'm, I'm fully on board with that. And one of the, the points that you made there was about the storytelling. And I think that's something, and, and again, feel free to disagree with, with me on this or not. It's something that has maybe lacked in the AEW women's division uh, since it started. There hasn't been any real sort of serious or strong storytelling. But the story that has been playing out over the last few a few weeks between Britt Baker uh, and uh, in front of Rosa, that's been the strongest, I think, that, that they've had it so far. And for the two of them to be uh, taking uh, the, the main event this evening, I, I think it's awesome. They've, they've shown consistently over the last few months that, that they're worthy of it, they're ready for it. And they've been putting on matches that have been a damn sight better than a lot of the, the maybe the more established uh, males uh, on the on the AEW roster. Uh, would you be a, a, a big uh, a big watcher of the AEW at the minute, Molly? Yeah, uh, I I do watch it pretty much every week. Um, I like to sort of keep an eye on everything because who knows where you might end up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only thing that kind of bothers me about it is it's classed as an unsanctioned lights out match. Mm. Although it's got main event written on it, does that essentially mean there's going to be two main events? Are they going to claim that the last match of AEW is a main event, then it's lights out, then it's another one? So that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, if they do that, that's really going to annoy me because it's just, why not just give them the main event? If you can have an exploding barbed wire death match on your pay-per-view, why on earth can't you just have these ladies go at it? Why not just make it... No DQ, false count, just an all-out brawl, but just call it that. Don't say it's lights out and unsanctioned, because why? They've been going at it for months. It's not like it's just, she's run out and went, that's it. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's led to this. So if it becomes that Kenny Omega comes out and they're like, this is the main event, now for your next one, I'll be like, right, sack this. No, just give them it. Yeah. Because... They're one of the most, I think it's one of the most drawn out storylines they've had on AEW for a good while. Um, and it's also, I, AEW kind of, there's parts of it I love, but I think the fact that when they were starting, one of the main things that they were going on about is the fact that the women's division was going to be so different, and so, so unique, and it's going to be a new approach to females in wrestling. And, I don't feel like it has had that moment yet. Yeah. There's not really been that outstanding element. And I, I hope that this is it, but it's that case of saying it's unsanctioned and lights out, which I'm just looking at going, is this your sneaky way of doing double main event when you could just leave it to the women? Why can't it just be theirs? I definitely think there's going to be, be all sorts of shenanigans going on. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, multiple bodies getting involved in the feud over the last few weeks. So given that stipulation, it pretty much puts it into that realm of where anything can happen. And it's, as you say, you know, it would be good just to see them go straight at it because the, the last time they had uh, a big storyline like this featured in Britt Baker, it ended with a tooth and nail match, which was the cinematic one. And again, all sorts of tomfoolery and and hoping mm-hmm. going on with that as well. Whereas you, you do, you know, at this stage in a feud, you just want to see Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker knocking the shite out of each other. Like that's, mm-hmm. that is uh, what you want on there. And another thing I was going to mention on the, the AW women's side of things, there's been a lot said over the, the weekend 
uh, in regards to to your man Jim Cornette and his uh, his uh, I think of the the correct word to use it. He's he's shit houseery, I suppose, uh, in regards to Penelope Ford. You know, going on his podcast and and basically calling her a slut, and then the the repercussions of Miro and Kip Sabian and Penelope and that getting involved in that as well. Do you think that that kind of criticism or whatever you want to call it from Kermit, who is, regardless of whether you like him, loathe him, hate him, whatever, do you think that kind of criticism coming from him is setting back the likes of the, the, the AEW women's division because that's getting more headlines potentially than the, the wrestlers themselves? So I understand why Miro and Kip want to defend, especially Kip wants to defend his future wife and I think they're guess, married are they married because i don't know if, I they think did, they are. if the wedding on that was to cover up the but someone told me last night that they got married a couple of days just before Before the one on tv oh that was harry and megan bobby that was harry and megan that was last week's news that's that's what that was (sighs) it's okay bobby it's fine it's fine you just just take a deep breath just ignore them um Sorry, right, I'm here. It's why I smoke. I'm here, it's fine. It's one of those things where, so personally, in person, I actually get on okay with Jim Carnet. It's mad to say that I've been on a couple of tours over here, and personally, we get on okay, we get on fine, but I think it's because with our approach to things, I've actively said to him, like, I don't agree with you on everything. Um, there's a lot of things that you believe that I am completely opposed to, but... I think I can reason with you to why I feel like this and why you feel like that kind of thing. He's from a he's from a generation where you go for the jug, jugular first and then you just clean up the blood kind mm. of thing. It's a direct hurt you and then oh, okay. The thing is with Cornet is he knows what he's doing. The the problem being is that it's not a problem. It's an understanding why people go for it. But if you just go back at him, it is of course it's going to cause headlines because everybody loves a shit stutter let's be honest look at your katie hopkins and all that sort of thing he's essentially the katie hopkins of professional wrestling he's going to say things that upset people so that you go and listen to his podcast because the entire week when he's replied he keeps saying at the end tune into my podcast or choose whatever to hear what i actually think what he said about polanyi ford was that she was the slutty girlfriend of kip saban which, of course, got a reaction. But when Kip and Penelope are going after Jim, saying that other people sleep with his wife and he watches, are you not just doing the same thing to Cornette? Which I understand, I totally get, and it's a reactionary thing, Mm -hmm. but it is just making people come and read his tweets and understand what is going on. Because in all honesty, I hadn't really seen what had happened, and then you would message me, Chris, to say, oh, this is what we're going to discuss. And I was like, what's happened? And then went and looked and went and read everything up and read an article and things like that and looked into it. And it's that case of, like, you are just making it a bigger, not a bigger issue, but I feel like with Cornet, if you really want to shut him up, you need to ignore him. If you want him gone, you need to ignore him because eventually he's going to say something that does get him cancelled and it's probably going to be something that is said because somebody didn't react and he just wanted to make it worse to get a reaction um 
I don't think it sets things back because it's not the first time Carnet said something like this. And let's be honest, it's not stopped us getting better and pursuing forward in any realm of uh, female professional wrestling, be it independent or on the major leagues. So Carnet can rabbit away of what he doesn't like and say things that is completely inappropriate and that you'd expect or old grumbling man at a Christmas dinner to say and you just go oh Jesus Christ just shut him up will you put the telly on um, but the problem being is he's got a major audience mm-hmm. uh, a globally listened to podcast and everybody's just basically waiting for him to say the next horrific offensive thing and there's going to be his disciples that agree with him on everything that he says because Let's be honest, it's kind of the idea of like your Trumpism and all that jazz. Although he's completely against Trump, which I'm cool with. Um, but yeah, it's just that same mentality. There's going to be those that defend him because of who he is rather than what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm in that kind of, it's the, the weird kind of feeling that a lot of people had over the last year where they find themselves agreeing with some of what Piers Morgan was saying every morning but you still need to remind yourself that it's Piers Morgan that's saying it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think that's, like, you, you're mentioning Cornets to Katie Hopkins. You know, he's, he's pretty much the Piers Morgan as well. And mm-hmm. that the way that he goes, the way that Morgan was going after uh, Meghan Markle over the last few weeks is exactly the way he goes after the guys in AEW every week, Tony Khan. And he, do, he, he doesn't miss and, and hit the wall. You know, he's, he's scathing with it. But as you say, it's it's the whole Eric Bischoff thing controversy creates cash, or for him, it creates listens because people tune in for that. I mean, I, I listen to it because I, I like to get a guy who's got all that experience. I like to get his opinion on the way that matches are booked or the way that they play out, what moves guys should be using and not, blah, 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 compared to, you know, how, how it's going ahead. But it's that crassness, it's the vulgarity of it that kind of it makes you feel a wee bit dirty for listening to it. I mean, do, do you, Bobby, do you entertain Jim Cornette's views on anything at all? No. No. Not at all. He came for Peyton Royce about her weight when the wee girl is like a twig. God, no. Absolutely not. But my biggest problem with it is if you're going to read someone, it needs to be, there needs to be an element of truth there. Like if you're going to come for someone and insult them, the best insults have elements of truth. And there is no truth to what he's saying about Penelope. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but he's mm. just a married woman. She could, oh, and she's making out with her husband. It, it couldn't, so I, the read doesn't make sense. The insult doesn't make sense. And, the, and to entertain it. It just makes me question it even more because it's just, I'm just sitting here the entire time, like he called this, but how does it, how does it add up? Mm-hmm. How, she's not though. You just call her because she's a girl and she kisses. Same when I was Lita back in the day. You know, there was no one, they all loved the bully Lita for the bad girl character, even though she's my angel. But you know, it's what people have always done. And it's just, it's like Molly said, it's like Granda at a Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Ranting away and you're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll stay it on. Mm-hmm. And you can't entertain it. You can't. That's the problem is people are entertaining it. And if Kip and Lola are going after him too, 
he's getting exactly what he wants. And someday, I just feel like the AEW roster mm, just needs it. to mute him because he clearly mm. doesn't like the product. Like he clearly is completely opposed to the product and to anybody that's going to be with it. So there's, you just kind of need to go, right, he doesn't like me from the get-go because of where I work. He's got nothing, he could never have watched a match, but if he knows I work for there, he's not, there's going to be a judgment because he assumes I'm already something else. So I genuinely think the best course of action, although it's going to be incredibly difficult, sometimes ignoring him will be the best one, and he's going to end up digging his own grave. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, you, you don't give him oxygen and then he can't grow. And we're going to go from those sort of old-school views on wrestling of Jim Cornette to some old-school wrestling with the next headline, which is after all this like Nick Aldis, time. The NWA returns to our screens this weekend with Back for the Attack, but will the move from YouTube to Fight TV and the depletion of its roster allow it to be as much of a success as it was this time last year? Now, obviously, in the lead-up to, to lockdown last year, NWA Power was probably the, the most entertaining wrestling show that was going on, and it was free because it was in YouTube, and they had stars like Nick Aldis, you had Ken Anderson, so there was that kind of... There was the, the mix of the, the old school with some of the newer guys, with Eddie Kingston, Thunder Rosa coming through as well. But do you think that because a lot of those people have moved on or maybe aren't going to be involved in this run and the fact it's not going to be in free television, do you think that the NWA is going to be as, as popular uh, this time round? I understand the business decision in order to get some funding in because it's obviously been a difficult time for all but the problem being is if you're going to try and introduce a lot of new talent that maybe some people haven't heard of it's going to be hard to like connect or to even give it a chance but the, 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 I mean they're hoping that the letters NWA and the few people that you know are going to be there are going to be the one that bring people in and I, I mean, I hope it works for them because it was doing so great mm -hmm. beforehand. And of course, there's all that lineage and like le like the legendary status of the NWA. Christ, the AEW Women's Championship is, which I find weird in a hand, is like based of the NWA Championship is sort of homage to it, even though it's still, that, that's a whole other episode that I can talk about. I don't understand why it's silver and tiny for AEW and the other championships like the size of three people in Brighton go. Whole other thing. Uh, but, oh, I can rant. I can rant on that. Uh, but for, We're doing it last night. Well, don't worry about it. Me and my mates said the exact same. Don't worry about it. That's been seen. Why is the women's champion silver? Is it because we're second? Is that is that why it is? Whole other thing. Whole other thing. Fuck. <laughs> right. But, eh... Uh, I mean, I hope it goes well because it's another place for people to go and sort of showcase their talent. And um, the more eyes that are on wrestling, it's better for everybody because then there's a chance that if NWA is doing so great and you're able to book Nick Aldis to come over to your promotion, you might get an extra 200 people in the door, which means you get an extra 200 eyes on your local talent. The hope is, is that it does do great. You can do independent business with them um, because it does seem like WWE are sort of clamping down on who they're going to let out and then 
AEW seem to be kind of sort of trying to do the same on certain talents. So hopefully NWA could be, I can see it being in the lines with like your ROHs, where it's going to be that way of things. Because ROH is also in fine. Um, I hope it goes well, but I just, I kind of wish I knew what was happening on it more than I do. Yeah. I feel like if you've had all this time, and I still have no idea what's happening apart from a few talent, which in some very controversial talent getting um, sort of put on it. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one. Well, the, the only thing that I've really seen about it is uh, they've got Chris Masters or Chris Adonis. He's making his NWA debut. I, I'm assuming that... Oh, in fact, uh, Nick Aldis is defending against uh, Aaron Stevens. Uh, he's getting the, the title shot. I'd assume Sabina Deeb is going to be on it as the NWA Women's Champion as well. I'm assuming she's going to be there. But who's but, she going against? Because yeah. who's the... That sort of... There's not... Yeah, it's... It's, it's also, is it Tyrus? Which is, a, although to us, yeah. it's not a controversial thing. But it's, a po- like, it's one of those ones I had to ask somebody, like, why is there so many people getting upset? But he's very sort of right wing. I think yeah. there's current, he's currently in a lawsuit due to allegations made against him. Um, there's a whole host of stuff. There's a whole host of people they've let go during lockdown who have had accusations who are defending themselves in court right now, but he's cut. It's, it's, it's very messy, actually. Yeah, it's, um, it's muddy, muddy waters indeed. Very on, muddy. On that one. Um, you, you mentioned there, Molly, about, you know, Nick Aldis uh, being the, the NWA champion and, and you know, bringing some extra eyes into local promotions. He was over in Belfast uh, a couple of years ago as well. Were you involved in that show, Bobby? Were you on the, the Aldis uh, show where they, they get really annoyed at Justy for... Uh, I was Donald. there. Yep. I was there. That's all that matters. I was there. We don't need to go into any further details. <laughs> I was there. But Lovely yeah, man. Um, Lovely man. Lovely man. But he, he's he's not a fan of being uh, compared to a budget supermarket chain, even though his name suggests uh, that he's affiliated with it. Anyway, without further ado, uh, we will get on to the... Dick. What? Only you would draw that conclusion. What? He... What conclusion? What that his name is spelled Aldis, the same. Aldi. Hi. Some people can't write their own material. It's fine. Fourth, fifth, and the the same name. Anyway, anyway, we'll move on to the and finally section on this week's episode. Now, usually I would do a wee advert here for something, but I've got no sponsor this week. But we do have a, a we do have a musical uh, exit. We've got a musical way to finish the show, thanks to some uh, footage that was uncovered earlier this morning. Uh, so that will be he's playing itself. By the way, he's going to kill you when you put that out. He's going to kill you, and I can't wait. Look, me, 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 and Rocky have we, we've settled our differences. I, I hope we've settled our differences over the the last week. But you know, it's it's a nice wee way to end it. It's it's a lovely bit of talent. Lovely bit of talent. By the sounds but, of it, it's going to be the way to end it with you. Um, I can't wait. Can't like, wait. Like, to me, this sounds like suicide. It like, is, and I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's, like, you, it's like a massacre, it. do you know what I mean? You can't look away. Like a car crash on the motorway. As, and, and when you watch this back, Molly, you'll see, we'll see what we're, we're talking about at the end of the show. Now, the end no, thing... She's section. not watching this back. She's <laughs> not watching this back. God, love her. The poor girls want to go and want to forget about her mate. Me, 
It's okay, Bobby. I'll watch back for you. It's fine. Yeah. See, that, this is the thing. This is what's going to take me to the 300 listens. Molly being resplendent in her bedroom, telling us everything, and you smoking a fag in front of Harley Quinn. But the and finally bit on this week's at episode. Not, at least she's not standing in front of a picture of herself with headlightly maker in the background. Don't come and chat at us about this. This isn't my bedroom. This is actually my media room, which I hand-painted myself, thank you very much. At least she's decorated her room. That's our backdrop. You've put yourself behind you, you egotistical prick. Don't start chatting at it's, us. It's either that or there's butterflies in pictures of my gran. Know what I mean? Oh, so, so you'll put yourself behind you? <laughs> right. Actually, you he does want to put his granny over. You can have the, have the door. Right, so the and finally section for this week is based off a, a really good promo that Mustafa Ali uh, caught on Twitter ahead of Law on Monday night, where he was talking about how he wants to become the US champion that America deserves. And a lot of the focus on that was on him being an American citizen now. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, when they see, and again, wrongly in my opinion, they see Mustafa Ali, they assume that he's like Muhammad Hassan and all this kind of thing, you know, all that muddy waters there. But in terms of using nationality as a, a character or anything like that, do you feel that it's it would be it's lazy booking to use someone's nationality as a, a as a gimmick almost, or do you think if it's done correctly, it can be a good way of engaging with? Uh, with I mean, we have, if, you, if you look at Drew for example, Drew's the perfect example. He comes out to a kilt. There's bagpipes. He's got a massive claymore sword and everything like that. Which that sword. Is actually Vince McMahon's sort. Mm, I'd heard that Triple H. The given to him by Stephanie and Triple H. That's Vince's sort, because of course he has a sort. Um, but I've got one hanging beside my bed, and that's not even a remotely a lie. Um, <laughs> but two, actually, one on either side. Um, but yeah, if it's done correctly, it's fine. If it's done in a way where it is homage and respectable to that culture or that um, country and their ways, then it's fine. But I think like one of the things Mustafa Ali has said in previous interviews is one of the major things that he did was when he started in the independence, he was a stereotypical bad Muslim, let's, let's put it like that way. Although I don't agree with the sort of mindset in America in particular, if you said to people like, what is a Muslim or like what how would you describe a Muslim a lot of people would say something like terrorist which is completely ridiculous to sort of see but they would they would sort of talk about ISIS and Al-Qaeda and etc etc and he wanted to set an example so he had to completely change his sort of out view and be a positive influence so that for example if they were to say like do you know are you aware of any Muslims they could say Mustafa Ali mm-hmm. and they can view somebody that looks like Mustafa Ali is not a threat and is somebody who you can approach. Um, so sort of that way, and I understand now he's got sort of the retribution side of things, but it's always still about identity. It's always been about identity, be it where you are in the card or how you're seen. That seems to sort of be a thing that he really grafts onto. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like it's. I think he does a great job. I think he's an incredible talent. Um, he's always 
cracking on the microphone, no matter what scenario it is, be it you're like, come on, or if it's boo, like, but he's always able to do it in a non-stereotypical way. But the fact that he's using that, he's got his citizenship now, if that sort of the way of being the US champion, it's not a bad thing in any way, shape or form. It's, it's, it's actually quite clever to use it. Um, but in retrospect, it's kind of a bit weird as well because America is this big cooking pot and it always has prided itself of being the cooking pot of different nations and cultures, et cetera, et cetera. So it shouldn't be a big thing that he gets it because he is a working citizen there. He was a police officer as well. So really he's probably like stereotypically a very American person if you actually looked at if you didn't know he was Muslim and there wasn't a picture attached to him everything that he's done in the past you'd probably go man he's very American um, so for him to hold the US championship to me would be a great step for and, and, and think about it for Muslims at home watching it it'll probably be very sort of it'll probably be a bigger deal to them than we could ever understand because for all our lives, we've been used to seeing white men hold that title. Let's let's be honest. Like there is a problem with representation, um, and for us, it's never going to be a big thing because to us, it's like, okay. But for them, it could for for like sort of that sort of culture and that kind of yeah, it, it could be a big thing that we don't really grasp on just yet. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, you know, bring it a wee bit closer to home. You know, when you have wrestled out with Scotland, you know, you mentioned, you know, you spent a year wrestling all over uh, the UK, but never, never in Scotland. Was there any, were, were you ever sort of put in a position where you had to use your, your Scottishness or your nationality as part of a storyline or a gimmick to, to get over the crowd? Or to Not keep- really, because I am clearly incredibly Scottish. Like, I'm, I'm not, but I'm also, I'm very vocal in my performances and, and, and it's sort of like my approach to things. So I've always been vocal. I've never not been a vocal person. Um, and in doing so, when I speak, you're like, ah, I'm either, if I'm in America, I usually get, are you Irish? And I go, no. And then they go, uh, then I'm going, I'm Scottish. And they go, ah, yeah, okay, close enough. And I go, no, <laughs> okay, um, that's fine, um, but yeah, it's that kind of way where so far I've not been. I've always got little things in my bag, for example, like I've got like a little kill and stuff, but that would be if I was going to a non-English speaking country. I think there's that sort of like translation gap there um, that I've got this sort of thing put aside for if I was to ever go to Japan, example, for example. If I have a wee kilt that has a Scotland flag on it, people will, ah, Scottish, okay. You know what I mean? There hasn't, doesn't need to be, where they don't understand that I have an accent and that I don't sound American or English or ex- I, I sound Scottish. Um, so, yeah, I think if it's done in a, in a respectable way and it's done in the hands of the individual, mm-hmm. then I think the individual has the understanding. Um but so far, I've never had to rely on that sort of a stereotypical kind of thing. Because my, my gear's green. 
it's not like if anything I can understand why they might mistake me for being Irish yeah because my hair's green and gold for Christ's sake it's, <laughs> it's not blue with a saltire or anything like that um, see that was the that was the mistake I made uh, in my debut match uh, I had a, a singlet that had a, a wee saltire on it uh, and it was, it, was a, it was a battle royal I won it and unbeknownst to me the, the promoter decided to play Flower of Scotland uh, as as I had my hand my hand held victorious and there was another there was a festival I was wrestling at and just as I was about to deliver a, an elbow drop from the top rope the promoter got on the mic and shouted here comes the flying Scotsman so just like so you know I've, I've kind of been put in that position where I did I don't want to be known as the Scottish wrestler in Northern Ireland you know obviously being Scottish is a big part of me but I don't want that to be the thing uh, but I was just wondering if that was don't something. Don't you worry, love, it be. won't be. Don't you worry, love, it won't be. It won't be. Well, I'll, I'll push you then. You're struggling to be a wrestler, aren't you? Never mind Scottish. What was that? You're struggling to be a wrestler, never mind Scottish. Well, I need to stop getting folk on here, but I'm just going to have the pish. Right, Bobby, I'll put it to you then. In terms in terms of identity, what, do, what does identity within wrestling mean to you? It means everything. What I represent. You know, of not necessarily it's it being true to yourself to, without getting too into it, to be true to your authentic self in what you believe and what your morals is. And that is so important in wrestling when you're put in a position where you're being told, look, if you want to be on this show, you have to portray this thing that you are, that you were born as, whether that be your skin color, your sexuality, your gender, whatever, and having to exploit it for whatever reasons. I can't speak for myself, Ali, I can only speak for myself. And when I started out training, it was very, you know, suggested that I should play heavily into the sexual aspect of the gay thing. And it never made me, I wasn't comfortable with it because it's not all about what I am. I, I'm a gay man. I don't grind on straight men in the everyday life. So why would I do it in the ring? Hmm. And it it was, it's, so it's something that I kind of get. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's just weird to put into words because it does mean so much. Yeah, it does it's, mean it's so a, much. It's a difference between happily playing homage to the place you're from and who you are compare, compared to exploiting yes. where you're from and who you are. Absolutely. Um, I know from, I've, I've been quite lucky with the, the school that I trained at, there, there hasn't really, that's not a thing. Um, it focuses on the, the sort of the talents and the persons and like people's and the personalities rather than you know what I mean, their, their indications. Like, I remember there would be one time I was at training and I knew how GPWA, the school that I train at, work is they do it in sort of chunks. So you you have like a six, like a six to eight week sort of yeah. class to see if this is for you. Then you move up a class and um, get to a certain point. Then you get moved into the main class, which basically once you move up to the main class, it means that you're, you're able to do everything safely. You're not mm-hmm. some high-flying superstar, but you're able to be safe in a ring with the majority of everybody. Um, and I remember the, the classes, this this one class had no girls in it at all. 
one of the boys getting in the ring with me and I'm going to sort of lock up. He paused, turned to one of the coaches and said, is this okay? And was swiftly met with a slap, quite stiffly and went, right, <laughs> if you're ever in the ring with me, it's okay. Like, this is not anything to do with gender. I could probably whip your arse, boy. And I remember people that I had been training with for years pause and going, oh, no, this is going to be bad for him. Um, but it was that way where the thing that annoys me when people talk about that sort of thing, especially when it comes to gender, is the fact that the majority of female wrestlers have done their training with guys, mm-hmm. have been in the ring predominantly with guys. There's very few all-female dojos. I know Pro Eve have one and things like that, but that's few and far between in comparison. So the majority mm-hmm. of times when I've learned how to lift people and throw people, it's been a guy. It's not been just let's find a girl. And for a long time when I was training, I was the only girl. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there are certain promotions that are from schools, and that's why there's sometimes only one women's match on the card, because they only have one female and they need to bring others in. That's not why I tax schools and say, like, oh, you need to have more women's matches on your card. If you're able to do that, great, but I understand sometimes you're not. Um, and it does, it really means that it should be, shows should be putting on cards across the board, from WWE all the way down to Avalon, on matches that people want to see rather than I just, well, let's just only put on one women's match. If two women's matches are required for that show and that shows what is what needs that, and put it on because if the storytelling is going to be richer because you've got and, and people are going to enjoy the show more because there's two absolute belt and women's matches and a bunch of guys then that's what you do it shouldn't just be like we can only have one women's match on the card because that time is past that time is done it is dead in the water if you're t- if you're talented enough in order you should be put on the show because of talent not just because it's suitable and I understand there will be some shows that are fully male because they don't have any women. And that's understandable. But um, yeah, it's, it's it, for me, it's like I've worked in a lot of companies and there's one in particular in Liverpool, TNT that I work for. And it's now normal for there to be two, three women's matches on the card because those are the matches that are wanted to be seen. It's not just because they feel, oh, we need to. Like we sort of took a big stance and sort of like I approached them with an idea and said to them, look, I have this idea. Your women's division is going to grow. And they went, okay. And they went with it and it's done tremendous. They're going to have an all women's match. They're going to have an all women's death match tournament now, next like coming up because there is so much female talent now that people want to see it. And people were buying tickets because they're like, hell yeah, death match tournament. Cool. It's not hell yeah, women's death match. It's, there's a deathmatch tournament. Let's go see that. Let's go see some carnage. It just happens that everybody's female in it. Sorry. No. I, get a bit, I get a bit passionate and emotional when it comes to this because I've never been taught gender roles from a small age. It was never a thing that was taught to me by family or friends. Mm. If I could, If I could pick that table up, I'll pick the table up if it needs moved. It's not wait for a boy to... No, no, no. I remember my mum telling me once that she came and picked me up from nursery and there was like an, a, an 
a moment, they said, and it was because a bunch of boys had told me, oh, no, you can't play this game because you're a girl. And I was like, no, no, I can play this game. It's nothing to do with the fact that, like, I was just, I couldn't understand my brain just went, no, I'm able to play that. What? Like, I never got that it was because I was a girl that that was, in their head, was an issue. Um, Sorry, this has gotten a big rant about gender, but also... (laughs) I'm still very Scottish, as you can tell. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad of it. You know, obviously it's, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day over here in Northern Ireland, whether you're on the side that, uh, you know, celebrates that or not. I'm not too fussed. I'm stuck in the middle. I get a day off work for it, so I'm not too, too bad. But in terms of, uh, you know, using nationality, I think we're in agreement that if it's done right, then it can be a great, uh, a great way to, to boost a character or boost a gimmick or, or that kind of thing. So if it's left in the hands of the individual, individual, yeah. it's fine. It's when yeah. people that find project stereotypes on somebody who's just walked in the door, you're like, what? No, that's you don't know where I'm from. You don't know where I've come from, what my background is. If I even care about the fact that I'm Scottish. I do highly, but some people might not. There'll be people that are might be embarrassed from where they're from who are like, no, don't associate me with that. And that's an individual's choice. If it's in the like Thunder Rosa, for example, is a perfect example. She's clearly very proud of her heritage. And that's great. Let her be proud of her heritage. You're not going to tell us to stop it. But it's left in the hands of the individual rather than the hands of someone who does not know really know you. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Well, that's probably about time to wrap it up here. Molly, you have been a fantastic guest, arguably the best guest I've had on, you know, in terms of, you know, just being vibrant and, you know, having proper opinions on stuff. Bobby, you have been great on here as, as well today. I know you've you maybe not got a word in as much as you would have liked, but, you know, it's been, it's been great to have you on. I bet that falls on you, Chris. That doesn't fall on anybody else. It's the same as it is every single time one of your podcasts comes on. Not that I listen to them, but I have people who listen to them for me and then tell me the tape. It's always the same. You ask the most boring, dry questions that all somehow all rotate back down to you. And it all becomes then about me and my Scottish. Oh, I tried to get booked. Oh, I did this battle royale that no one cares about. The real thing is, Chris, you're terrible at your job, mate. You're shocking at your job. So I'm here. I'm terrible at my job. I'm terrible at my job. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. So the reason I came on the day, because I know how much of an amazing tally Molly is and the opportunity that you have speaking to a star like Molly. So I came here the day to do your job for you because I'm taking over, hon. Give me the keys. I'm taking over and I'm going to interview Molly because quite frankly, you barely asked her a question that's even relevant to her besides ICW. You asked her about AEW that the girls don't really want to talk about and then you're asking her about you. So you just sit there and do what I would normally do and look pretty, but I know you can't because you have a face laid back at the end of a bus, but you know, some things can't be helped. So you just sit there and be quiet and I'll talk to Molly and I'll do the I'm taking this back. I don't know if he knows that I've muted him here or not, but I'll, I'm just going to let him let him go. Molly, thank you very much for being a, a great guest on Hitting the Headlines this week. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, if you want to hear more from Bobby, uh, then I'm sure he'll reach out to you uh, at some point. And hopefully maybe, you know, when you come over to Belfast, you know, maybe you can hook that up. But for now, we're running out of time. 
So, Molly Spartan, thank you for hitting the headlines with me. Bobby Diamond, thank you for your input as well. And to play you out, we have the Rocky Star Experience with a special message, which is just for the Hitting Headlines listeners. It's all about you. Chris, mate, you've... Oh, no.